All right, welcome back to the big program. 10 o'clock in the capital region. Looking for a high about 19, 20 degrees today. A couple sprinkles here and there. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Scott Billick from uh, the Winnipeg Sun. Covers the uh, Jets and all things uh, sports related in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Scott, welcome to uh, Sports 1440. Here with Kevin Carries and our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Good morning. And uh, yeah, no, uh, nice day here in Winnipeg. Not cold, so... Uh, we're all happy. Nice. Uh, we're getting a nice extended summer here. Oh, that's the best part. Winnipeg summers are great. Uh, they're hot. Uh, everyone knows yeah. it. Uh, it can be tougher in the winters, just like here. We're very similar. But uh, what's the the uh, the mindset, the optimism uh, going into Winnipeg Jets season with uh, you know rookie camp coming up in Penticton, like the Oilers? But uh, you know, camp getting underway next week. Uh, everyone full of uh, you know what and vinegar as they get ready to go in uh, Jetsland. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously some optimism here with um, some of the changes that were made this summer. Obviously, Blake Wheeler moving out, uh, getting bought out by the team, Pierre-Luc Dubois being traded for Gabe Velarde, Alex Iofalo, a um, couple other um, pieces there out of uh, Los Angeles. So um, that, that's obviously brought a little bit of, I don't know if you want to call it hope, but uh, I guess a, just a different look and some excitement there. And then, And then yesterday... Um, uh, the team named uh, the third captain uh, that it's had since returning to Winnipeg in 2011 uh, with Adam Lowry, um, which, you know, depending how you look at it, there's been some criticism, I suppose, because it's not, you know, a top-line center or a top defenseman on the team. It, it's Adam Lowry. He's very much a, a kind of a lunch pail player, but who he's been here. He was the second guy picked by the Jets back in 2011, uh, after Mark Shifley. So, um, it, yeah, it was an interesting day yesterday, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there could be a better pick in this uh, city for, for a captain. I mean, it was kind of, you know, you could have picked either Lowry or, or Josh Morrissey, um, and they went with Lowry. I, you know, this team is very much looking for a, let, let's call it a culture shift um, in this city after after the Blake Wheeler era. And, um I, you know, I, I believe that they're going to get it with Adam Lowry. He's very much, um, very much a, uh, a smart guy, a guy who players on that team have rallied around for years now, um, and and the guy who you know has quite a pedigree um, when it comes to. I mean, his dad played over a thousand. Dave Lowry played over a thousand games in the NHL. Um, but but Adam Lowry, if there was one guy on this team that I'd be like, okay, this guy's going to be like a you know a GM one day he'd be the guy um and but he just oozes a lot of a lot of different attributes that that you'd want in a captain so so that was a you know a big deal yesterday after the Jets didn't have a captain at all last season after stripping Blake Wheeler so it's uh yeah I think there's there's some optimism um rookie camp this year obviously with the Penticton term the Stars classic um yeah I think the Jets have three or four really good prospects in that tournament and Including Colby Barlow, who was their their, their um, first round pick in, in Nashville this past uh, past June, and 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 he's he's brought a lot of excitement um, when he was here earlier for the development camp in, in summer earlier this summer. Um, he brought a lot of a lot of energy, and after this last couple seasons the Jets have had, um, it, it was kind of a brush of uh, brush a breath. Sorry, or, uh, <laughs> hard for me to say um, a breath of fresh air around. Uh, this town um it, it, it's been it's been a couple tough years so um having having a you know a young player come in and kind of 
look, you know, kind of peer into the to the future um, a little bit. That that's been a it's a big thing for this this town too. So I think there's some excitement. I think there's some cautious optimism about this team as well. Um, but I think there's, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's the beginning of a new season, right? Hope springs eternal every year, and I think that's where kind of where we're at right now uh, in, in Jets land over here in Winnipeg. Thanks, Scott. Uh, I was just wondering if you could touch a little bit more on the the, the captaincy announcement there. Uh, obviously, Adam Lowry. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like a guy I remember playing against him when I was playing, kind of hard-nosed player, does all the little things right, and, uh, you know, sticks up for his teammates. Um, you can't really go wrong with a pick like that. But, uh, you know, a guy like Mark Shifley's kind of been the face of the franchise, so to speak, since he yep. came in kind of kind of grabbing the torch from Blake Wheeler a little bit, I guess, you know, how does, how does that work out in the room? Is, is Shifley good with this or is, you know, how does, how does that work as far as culture in the room? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, right? I mean, I, you know, I think in my opinion, Mark Shifley had been groomed for years for this, right? I ever think he was made the face of the franchise, in 2011 with the first pick and it was an off the board pick, but this team really believed in Mark Shifley at the time. You look back at now, you're like, well, I mean, he probably might've gone higher in that draft uh, than, than where he went. Well, he would have gone higher in that draft than where he went. Um, I, I believe it was the 13th pick, if I'm not mistaken uh, in that draft. And, and, and so it was, but, but he just like over time, he became the face of, not only the franchise, but the, with how this team wants to draft and develop its players. Um, you know, you, you take a guy that maybe, you know, wasn't on the board, but you have such a good development system here with your prospects, and Mark Shifley turned into that player. And, you know, Andrew Ladd was here. He became the captain, or he was the captain when, when, mm-hmm. when he came here. And then they gave it to Blake Wheeler because Blake Wheeler and Shifley was still coming up at that time. You know, he was still in the early parts of the career. And, and so the, the roadmap, though, for Mark was always there. Um, but over the last few seasons, and, you know, some people will point to the Jake Evans hit in the playoffs against Montreal a few seasons ago in the All-Canadian division. Um, others will just point to, you know, just different areas of his game that, that haven't been there, whether it's defense at times. I mean, he's always had the scoring. He's always had the knack for, for the net. He's a great power play performer. Um, all the offensive characteristics are there, and he, he's your top-line center in this team. But a couple things, I mean, obviously, it just he, it, there's been times where you've wanted leadership out of Mark Scheifele, and it just hasn't been there. Um, I, we can point to one particular instance last season in Carolina. He got benched, the whole top line did, for roughly half the game, the second half of that game. Um, and... Nino Niederreiter, who the Jets had just brought in on the trade deadline, was on that line. He was benched too, and, and Mark Shifley wouldn't come out and talk about being benched. And, and you know, Niederreiter, who was only here for five minutes, was the guy that they sent out to kind of you know, you know, tie a bow on 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 that benching and all that, and trying to you know, whatever. And like, it's it just those aren't the things that I guess are beholden to you know a leader and it's just there's been multiple instances of that over the last few years and so when it came to this I mean the other thing you got to realize is Mark Shifley only has one year yes. left on his contract and there's no there's no uh, certainty that he's going to sign long term so you can't really give him the captaincy right when he's a lame duck going into the season right so I, I think there was just 
it, it was just a you know a multitude of things that happened with with Mark over the time that just didn't make it um, mm-hmm. viable. And then you've had guys like Adam Lowry who's been a rock in that dressing room, and a guy who I mean you said it. I mean he he sticks up for players. He's fought Ryan Reeves multiple occasions now. Um, but even last year, down the stretch, I mean, when the Jets needed somebody to step up and some guys weren't, he, he stepped up and helped this team uh, with Connor Hellebuck, obviously uh, helped this team get into the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, Lowry was perhaps their best player in the playoffs. So at the time where they really needed somebody to step up, it was Adam Lowry. And and so, you know, I, I think you went into the offseason, you're like, okay, well, there was two guys. There was Morrissey and there was Lowry. And I, you couldn't really go wrong with either one. And I think they went with Adam uh, perhaps longevity, um, perhaps just the idea that this is a guy that really he embodies what it is to be a Winnipegger. You know, Winnipeg mm-hmm. uh, is with Edmonton, very blue-collar town, that sort of thing. So there was very much um, a, a sentiment of that yesterday when they announced it. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the reason why it's it's Adam Lowry and and maybe not Mark Shifley, I mean, there's several, but I think at the end of the day, Mark Shifley – just showed o- over time that perhaps he's not, um, let's say, captain material. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Billick is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko here on Sports 1440. Scott covers the Winnipeg Jets for the Calgary Sun. Um, you did mention the, uh, and a quick side, uh, uh, just another comment on that. We had Charlie Huddy on yesterday, Scott, and he mm-hmm. fully endorsed uh, this selection. He thought that uh, Adam Lowry was the best selection for captain uh, with the Winnipeg Jets uh, moving forward. But you touched on the fact that Shifley has one more year left uh, before he comes a UFA. That's a similar scenario with the goaltender Connor Hellebuck. He becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Where do you think the Jets are at with their number one and former Conn Smythe winner Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know where they're at with him is I think they're trying to find out, uh, find a way to, to sign him. Um, and, and I think that's always been true around here. Um, you know, at the end of last season, Connor Hellebuck kind of made it clear that you know he wants to be on that team his goal ultimately is to win the Stanley Cup I mean you know I think that's the goal of every player but he's achieved you know he, he's been a Vesna winner in 2020 he's been a runner-up twice so you know he, he's been named the best goalie in the league you talk about the hit Connor Hellebuck with the, the best goalies in the league right now he's one of the best goalies of his generation right now and so he's achieved all those things that that he wanted to I guess personally but you know as a team Winning a Stanley Cup is now his, or it has always been his goal, but it's become more. And one of the things he said at the end of the year was, you know, it, similar to what Blake Wheeler had said a long time, is like, you know, you don't realize that how quickly, you know, your career kind of passes and you start running out of time to actually win a cup. And I think part of the problem with Connor Hellebuck, though, is that as we've seen this kind of shift in the in the NHL to perhaps some tandems or, you know, teams just spending less money at that position, Connor Hellebuck has kind of gotten, with the cap being still relatively flat and all that, kind of squeezed out in terms of um, how much money you know teams are willing to 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 pay with goalies. And so, I think early in the off season, I was like, okay, well, there might be teams that are willing to trade for him and give him that big extension that you want. But then you're starting to look at, you know, you look at the earlier Sorokin contract in, in New York. And, and some of those contracts that, that have gone out and they're they're not above ten million, which is a lot of what a lot of people thought Hellebuck would make. So for Connor Hellebuck and just his earning potential, um, 
it might be his best move to re-sign in Winnipeg because I think the Jets are willing to maybe not go to $10 million, but are willing to give him um, possibly the, the, the term and, and, and the money that, you know, relatively you know, or for, for close enough you know, that, that he's looking for, where other teams this summer, when you have, you know, this, this goalie that, you know, could help you win a Stanley Cup, there wasn't really a lot going on. There wasn't a lot of teams, you know, um, inquiring. I mean, there was teams inquiring, but there wasn't a lot of teams willing to pay the price that the Jets were asking. So, I, and and on top of that, not willing to maybe spend that same kind of money on a longer term deal. So, I, I think we're starting to see a bit of a, maybe a shift in in, in Connor Hellebuck, and and it was reported by I believe Elliot Friedman um, earlier this week that that this is potentially it. Like it's possible now that there's been a bit of a shift in mindset from from Hellebuck and his camp about oh you know, maybe Winnipeg is the best spot for him and. I think, you know, while this contract might not get sorted out in the next little bit, I mean, I think if this team shows some promise after it kind of maybe got worse by in terms of what you would see on a, like, you know, you remove a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois from your your roster, you think your team probably gets worse, but this team also got more deep, uh, it got deeper um, as well along the way with what they were able to, to get through the Dubois trade. So I think what I'm trying to say is I think there's there's going to be there could be some, um, let's say, a renewed kind of uh, sense of, you know, or a renewed maybe attitude from Hellebuck that, yeah, maybe it can still happen here. And maybe this team is, is going in a direction that he feels is is one that, that can, can still can compete for Stanley Cups and, and, and is maybe not as far off as it may have looked at. It looked like they were um, at the end of last season. So, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting kind of storyline going into the season with both him and Mark Shifley because, you know, they're both set to become free agents. But I think, you know, after yesterday um, with Adam Lowry and that sort of thing, being named the captain, Shifley, you know, he's still going to wear an A. Um, and, and, and and that, you know, that, that that's something. But, you know, I, I think the fact that I, – I think, I think Connor Hellebuck is more um, – I would say there's a lot higher of a chance of Connor Hellebuck re-signing in Winnipeg than there will be of Mark Shifley um, at all. So, yeah, I think that's where the Jets are with him. And I think there's, uh, you know, from what I've heard, I mean, you know, it sounds like both sides are now re- or have resumed kind of talking about yeah. this, which is I think a lot of Jets fans will be happy with that because Connor Hellebuck, I mean, if you, you can go back to in any of the last – six or seven years, I mean, he's been one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, why this team has even sniffed the playoffs in some years um, with this play. So, um, and he's still, he's still in the prime uh, yeah. of that, of that, that, that vein of form that he's played in. So, yeah, I think there's a lot, uh, I think there's a lot to be hopeful there on, on help up sure. and, you know, just a couple months ago, uh, there wasn't a lot. Hey, Scott, thanks for doing this on, on kind of short notice. Uh, the uh, rookie camps yeah, get underway in Penticton. Do you get to go, or are you like everyone else with the travel budgets, you might not even be able to get to yeah. me, go to Miota? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I won't be, uh, won't be getting out there this year. It's unfortunate because it's a great event yeah. there before. Tremendous place to go and, and watch it's Penticton, hockey. yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's all, we got to go to Banff last year. for oh. the Jets had kind of a, a retreat out there, and that was tremendous, too. Awesome. So. Uh, yeah, I miss those, and yeah, we get to rue the, uh, the all the budget sets that have happened in this industry. So. Well, good stuff. We'll uh, be checking out uh, yeah. your uh, coverage of the Jets this season. Uh, thanks for doing this.
Yep, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, that's Scott Billick from the uh, Winnipeg Sun covering the uh, Jets. Uh, we're back with uh, David Schlemko on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Ah, the Duke's no. coming through with a little country. What, who's this, Duke? Uh, this one's Luke Combs. Oh. You know, I don't think I'd be very good at that name that tune song for the current stuff. I can for do the, the first first week and a half. I would say no. You've been very bad. At poor, it, actually, very yeah. poor. But the old stuff, like Keith Whitley, I was nailing that. Get some old, like let's get some Merle Haggard on things like that. Dave, what do you? What's your music uh, uh, choice? Not a huge country guy. My wife is. Um, I'm more of a classic rock guy. I like listening to. K97. Yeah. Terry and Pete in the morning. Cool. So, uh, like, older classic rock, kind of just like any uh, bands in particular? Uh, anything, honestly. Love Led Zap, love <laughs> Tom Petty, pretty much anything. Text line is uh, open at 1 1440. If you've got uh, something for David Schlemko to talk about his uh, music genre. So, Led Zepp, Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Um, what else? I mean, uh, did you ever have control of the DJ um, priorities in dressing rooms over your NHL career where you got to play that stuff, and was it well-received? No, I was never really the DJ guy. Um, obviously, Biz had that when I was in Arizona. <laughs> Biz seems to be running the show on everything here, isn't he? Um, Calgary, I remember Yuri Hudler was very defensive of uh, being the DJ. If a young guy came and tried to play a song, he was not happy about that. Um, yeah, I can't really remember. It was never really my thing to be in charge of the radio. I was just kind of in my own zone in the room, I guess, getting ready. Um, we kind of touched, well, when Gene Principe threw me under the bus uh, earlier. Uh, uh, by the way, we'll have uh, uh, Willie Desjardins, and that was uh, Dave Schlemko's coach and junior with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, so, again, Willie's come full circle where he coached uh, David in the, um, uh, well, when he started in junior in Medicine Hat, and then now uh, Willie's back in, in Medicine Hat. He's been there for a number of years, uh, had stops, obviously, in Vancouver as head coach and assistant all over the NHL. But, um uh, he's going to join us at around 10.30. He's on the ice right now. Normally, we would have him almost on right now, but he's probably just wrapping up. So we'll have him on at 10.30. We'll take a bit of a quicker break here and then have Willie on for about 15 minutes in our last uh, half hour here on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So uh, when Gene was tell, uh, telling about uh, road trips and how they're a lot of fun. I mean, I had fun on the road. Rod Phillips told me when I first uh, started doing Oiler games in 2003 when I was filling in for Morley Scott, because back then they did uh, pay-per-views. And that was a big thing 20 years ago. Pay-per-views were, uh, all the teams did it. So, And not every game was on TV right. uh, back in the day. So what happened, Morley Scott, who was Rod Phillips' color man, on a regular basis would go do play-by-play on the pay-per-view games. And then they needed a guy to fill in on doing color on radio on 630 Chet. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked to do that and had a lot of fun doing about ah, right on. anywhere between 10, 14 games a year. Most of them were on the road, which was good for me. Rod Phillips said to me the first thing, here's your per diem. You'd get it from the team, just like the players do. The media would get it. Yep. And, and Rod said, you are spending every dime of your per diem and then some. <laughs> so, I mean, not to get into details, Dave Schlemko, but I mean, I'm sure when you guys got on the road, it was always a fun time and um, you got together, did the bonding and restaurants and things like that, nice meals. Uh, have you got any special memories about uh, some stories when you were on the road in the NHL? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I like to have a good time on the road for sure. Um, speaking of per diem, you know, some guys, some guys have lost their per diem by the time they got off the plane playing <laughs> cards. So, uh, uh, you know, the credit card game is always fun yes. uh, at dinners out. Um, everybody throws their credit card in the hat and the last one left pays for dinner. So that's, it uh, can get up there too. It can get up there, especially if you're a, a young guy on your entry level. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's probably a lot of stories that I can't tell on the radio. <laughs> and I mean, every guy, every former player gets asked that question. And again, you know, you have to choose your words wisely. Uh, did you have a favorite city that you like going to, to, to enjoy, you know, going out uh, with the guys? Absolutely. Um, I'd probably say Chicago was my number one favorite city. Um, just like New York, just mm-hmm. maybe on a smaller, a little smaller scale. New York's a great city too, a lot of fun. Um Loved playing in Montreal on the road. I uh, didn't love it too much. Like I said, last week living in the suburbs there, but it's a great uh, great road city. A lot of fun. Yeah. Home games in Montreal when you're playing there aren't as fun as road games, are they? Well, I mean, playing at the Bell Center is mm-hmm. pretty amazing, actually. Uh, that's a great time. Uh, playing on the road, too. Just uh, great atmosphere, great fans. But um, no, a lot of great restaurants in downtown Montreal, Chicago, New York. A lot of good nightlife, too. Uh, Robin Brownlee, I think you know him over the years. Robin Brownlee was on uh, the Jason Greger show on the other day, and uh, we were in Nashville one time. And uh, well, that's another great one. Oh, I forgot about Nashville. Yes, you know, everybody goes out in Nashville. All the staff, all the coaches, wherever I played, if Broadway's you, a good time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you got a question or a comment about uh, kind of off ice stuff for Dave or anyone, just uh, shoot us off. Uh, 1-833-401-1440 Nashville. Uh, so Robin Brownlee, he he would, at the time of his career, he wasn't really kind of partaking in a lot of extracurricular activities. Okay. But, you know, he would kind of see me after dinner go out, like Rod and Robin and Jim Matheson would go there one way back to the hotel and, and I would go the other way and uh <laughs> and one time we were on the corner of broadway and those guys are going back because the hotel's right by bridgestone arena in nashville so i'm going the other way obviously going down to broadway these guys are going back it's like nine o'clock and brownlee decides that he wants to see what it's all about so he comes up with me it was a bad choice by myself to kind of uh ride a shotgun with brownlee because he can put him back if he wants to and i was hurting the next day for sure but uh lots of fun on the road for sure there's a lot of that in nashville that's for sure yeah what is it about nashville i mean it just seems um the proximity from broadway to the rink that's That's, one thing that's a huge part um yeah just i don't know just the feel of broadway it's the only really country music town or it's not even just country Mm -hmm. it's a lot of just really good live music and it's always bumping no matter what night of the week you're there um it's always a good time uh back in the day uh what kind of coach was willie desjardin when you had him in medicine hat uh, he's he, gonna guess with us in about five minutes he was great um he he had a huge impact on my career um like i touched on a little bit last week uh gave me that self-belief and always believed i could play in the nhl even after going undrafted and he said i maybe wasn't the smartest kid in junior i Maybe he got into the extracurriculars a little too much, but uh, I'm sure he'll touch on that and, and rip me a little bit, but uh, hopefully it's all in good fun. Text line is uh, coming in again, hot and heavy, one uh, 401 1440 This one comes in morning, boys. Good to have a local 
sports radio station. Love your show. Uh, just a question that is more of a conversation starter and, and something we can build on, I guess, as we move forward to. I'm wondering who you guys think are the toughest heavyweights in NHL history and also who you think are the toughest guys that were also stars or regular top six talk top three D-men. Have you got, and there's so many tough guys. I mean, this is, this is an hour show we can talk about here. <laughs> right. Anyone in, when you played, were there guys that you were, and fearful is the wrong word, uh, aware of on the ice uh, and not saying that, I mean, obviously they were way out of your weight class, Dave, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but guys that were like, oh man, this guy is tough. Yeah, I mean, well, the first one that jumps to mind is obviously Bob Probert. Not mm-hmm. from my era, but he was a guy who could do it all, put up the numbers and p- put the fear into you. Yeah. Uh, who comes to mind for you first? Well, uh, Dave Brown was uh, back in the day was uh, as tough as it gets because he was left, uh, lefty. Could, could I mean, guys were generally fearful of him. You know, Dave Semenko was obviously tough but he didn't fight as much as people think because people just respected how he um, policed things just the way he was on the ice uh, right. and talking and saying you know if you're going to go and hit Gretz then you know something's going to happen and then no one really wanted that to happen another guy that really you know even in you know when you watched in the in the 90s or in the 2000s George Larocque was really tough yeah, I, mean, he was. I mean and strong and he was able to get guys into that, like that vortex where, and again, lefty, yeah, dangerous. Um, again, this is going to be, we're, we'll probably touch this one maybe next Wednesday because we've got so many things to talk about. Uh, so I think uh, Willie's probably getting off the ice here in the next little bit. Uh, when we come back uh, with uh, David Schlemko, our Wednesday co-host on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, we will hook up with Medicine Hat Tigers head coach and Dave's former head coach, Willie Desjardins. Uh, stay with us. We're back right after the break. Okay, welcome back for our final segment here on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, David Schlemko, Sports 1440. Um, we bring in uh, Willie Desjardins, coach uh, of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, and according to David Schlemko, one of the best coaches he ever had. I'm pretty surprised you to hear that, Willie. But I've also been hearing, Willie, that uh, he was one of the best defensemen you've ever had. Man, this is just a love in here. What's going on? <laughs> Well, since he said the first one, I don't have to agree on the second one. (laughs) But no, it was, uh, I remember when he was young, coming in here as a 15-year-old. I sent him back, back as a 16, and uh, I think he was MVP, the top defenseman for sure, when he went back and then came in and had an amazing career for us. So he was with you from 04 to 07, basically. Um, What was the player like? And he's really, he's got his notepad out here, Willie, right now, because he's getting into coaching right now. What was David like as a player when he first arrived with you? And then how did he grow and mature to the person and young man he was when he left? Well, he he always had talent. He, He was very good with the puck. He had lots of patience with the puck, had a great mind for the game. Um, I think when he came in, I think the one thing he had to work on probably was he, he always got away with his, just by his talent. He was so good. I think as he found out as he went through his career that um, the conditioning side was, was something that he had to work on to get better, to allow him to play pro. Uh, <laughs> and the good thing, I thought he made his big move when he was 20. He wasn't with us at 20. Um, <clears throat> he, he, he left, I think he was in the Central League. And a yeah. lot of guys who go to the Central League never come back. But uh, 
Dave realized that, uh, hey, he had to do a few things and got to give him a lot of credit. He, uh, he turned his game around and, and had an outstanding pro career from then on. Thanks, Will. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so how's the team looking this year? You're back in Medicine Hat now and started yeah, the, new, the, hat. the new um, program. Yeah, we've had, you know, we, we, a couple of years ago, we went through a similar year as Edmonton had. Um, sometimes you got to do that and rebuild. And so we did that. Um, last year was a little better. Um, this year, we'll see. You know, you always, you, you think good things are going to happen, but it all depends on what guys do in the summer and, uh, you know, and then how they play. And, and the other thing you always got to factor is, you know your team's got better, but the problem is so did everybody around you get better. And, you know, so it, uh, it's kind of both where we know we got a lot of good teams around us and, you know, we'll have to have taken a big step. Uh, Willie Desjardins is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, Dave Schlemko as he is our co-host on Wednesdays from 9 to 11. Uh, Willie, I want to go way back with you uh, because you used to play at the University of Saskatchewan with old Schultze, Dave Adolph. Yeah, uh, back in the late seventies, uh, did you kind of? And I mean, he turned out to be a, a coach at U of S for thirty years or so. Did you kind of know that that's when you wanted to kind of get into coaching and be a sort of a career coach as well? Well, Dave King was an unbelievable mentor. Yeah. Um, you know, I had no, I had no thoughts of coaching. My first year when I went to uh, University of Saskatchewan, we were three and twenty-one, and we had quite a few good players. Um, but we were three and 21 mm-hmm. and then Dave came in and, you know, I just saw the difference that he made, um, to our program. Um, and it's just what he, he brought in. Uh, and once that happened and, and when I saw my writing on the wall that I probably wasn't going to go any farther as a player, uh, then I decided that maybe coaching would be something I would look at. And, uh, but Dave was Dave was a mentor for lots of players out of that program. Um, you know, Mike Babcock was there for a little bit at that time. Uh, Dave Adolph was there, so um, he certainly had a hand in uh, mentoring a lot of young coaches. He did. I think he also met, uh, mentored Dave Tippett. I remember my rookie year yeah. in Phoenix. Uh, we had Kinger on the bench as an assistant, and. He made our us young guys our lives kind of miserable after every practice. Lots of bag skating and old school battle drills. So, <laughs> was that a part of it at the U of S as well? Yeah, I would say the biggest we we battled like the biggest part of our that got us from three and twenty one. We we went to the national championships the last three years that I was there. Uh, was basically how hard we worked in practice. He just increased our tempo so much in practice and. And the other thing he did that was so amazing is back in those days, um, you know, you'd fly into from U, U of S, you'd fly to Calgary or Edmonton, and, and Dave would drive so we could take an extra player to fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, you know, he just showed that, you know, uh, he, he was all about finding ways to win, and it kind of rubbed off on the team. Willie Desjardins, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 um, with uh, co-host uh, David Schlemko, a former player of Willie's in Medicine Hat. So um, it's kind of a, it, the, the, it's a simple question and a simple answer too, Willie, but can you explain the difference between coaching in the NHL and then coaching at the junior level? Well, you know, one, one thing was interesting. When I first went to Vancouver, my first press conference, they said, you know, now that you're in the NHL, 
you probably, your coaching circles complete. You probably would have a, a good coaching career. And I, I remember laughing at the question because mm-hmm. you can have an unbelievable coaching career without ever coaching in the NHL. Like if, if you make a difference to your players and, and help them, you know, uh, get down a track for business or whatever it is, or make their days better. You've had an amazing career. Um, you know, at the, at the NHL level, you, you certainly get to work with elite players. Like, it's unbelievable. I got to work with the Sedins, you know, just amazing athletes. And lots of players, LBX, uh, Burroughs. Like, there are so many guys there. I had Dorsett. Like, I, I had tons of guys that, you know, just really, really quality guys. Um, and I, I, I think that's a great part. Uh, uh, but junior's different. Junior's fun, too, because you have younger guys that, that are just trying to become players. Uh, they make more mistakes, but, uh, you know, it, it's fun at either level. Awesome, Will. I, I got a question for you. I, I got to know if this story is true. Uh, <laughs> it has a little bit to do with the difference between junior and pro, I guess. Um, I played with Mike Rubiro in Phoenix for a little bit, and he was telling yeah. me a story uh, from when you were in Dallas. You guys were having a little bit of trouble getting going at the start of games, so he said it was, it was your idea during the national anthem, uh, during the Star Spangled Banner, to to yell stars on the bench to get the boys going. <laughs> and Ribby said that you and him were the only ones who did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was one of my better ideas. Um, you know, it's funny because... Uh, it's so important how you start. It's so important. Like you got to have a good start and there's lots of different ways, but that's, that just shows a coach's idea. Does it doesn't matter if the players don't want to do it. Um, and it has to be buy-in. And, uh, it wasn't one of my better ideas, but, uh, the thought <laughs> of being ready at the start of the game was a good idea. And, uh, you know, that's something that we just had to work on a different way. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, yeah, I've been talking to Kevin. You're uh, <laughs> definitely one of the better motivators um, I've had as a coach and um, kind of instilled that self-belief in me coming up through my, my teenage and junior years there. So um, I can see why you've had so much success at the junior level. Um, I wondered if you could touch a little bit on um, Gavin McKenna. He seems to be uh, maybe a special player coming up for you guys and uh, someone you can build around. He is a special player. You know, you hate to put labels on guys early, but, you know, he's young. He's a December, oh, I think he's a 21st birthday, so he's a real late birthday. Um, you know, last year we are on a playoff run. It's, you know, it, it gets a lot heavier as you get late in the year. Um, his season finished, so we're trying to decide if we should bring him in uh, for the last few games. Um and we decide, I decided that, yeah, he could help us on the power play for sure. Like, like he, could, you know, he could play at least second power play unit and give us a little bit there. Maybe he couldn't play five on five. Right. Um, and he led our team in scoring when he came in. Mm-hmm. And that's unbelievable. I can't believe he did it. Um, but that's, you know, that was last year. And now it's a new year. It's going to be a lot harder. Like, you know, a lot of times players that have a great rookie year, it's way tougher their second year. And he got to play 20-some games, so it's kind of like his rookie year was last year. Technically, it wasn't. But um, he'll come in, and, and it'll, it'll be tough for him this year, as, you know, at the start, too. So, But he has great vision. Slammer, he's got vision like you, which is good. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty good. The other thing I should mention about you, Slammer, is 
you could be the best shootout guy I've ever had. Uh-huh. Nobody ever used you at the NHL, but you were unbelievable in shootout. So I don't know why you never got the call in the NHL. Maybe maybe you choked up. Oh, no, he did, Willie. Oh, I got. I had a he couple. Did. <laughs> he did. Okay, Slammer, you might as well uh, tell the Calgary story. Yeah, I'll, you remember the move I did in junior, the one-hander? Yeah. Yeah, well, I did that my first game as a flame in Boston on Tukarask. <laughs> I had one winner in, in Chicago as well. <laughs> you were unbelievable. I shoot up, but you really, really were good. So I always remember that. Uh, Willie Desjardins is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with our uh, Wednesday co-host uh, David Schlemko on uh, Sports 1440. Willie, when you were talking about Dave King and what he meant to you as you know, a young pupil and trying to establish uh, your foothold uh, in this game. Are there any other coaches that uh, when you were playing and maybe just starting out that you maybe took a little bit of page out of their playbook and put it into yours to kind of become the coach that you are today? There's so many, like there really is. George Kingston was unbelievable in Calgary. Like George had such a knowledge. He had such a way of explaining the game. Um, Two other guys, are, there's lots of guys, but Claire Drake and mm-hmm. Billy Morse, <laughs> they're such good coaches. They're yeah. both unbelievably smart. Um, you know, I remember I remember U of A once, they ran a power play breakout, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it on the penalty kill. I, I looked at it, I couldn't figure out, so I thought, okay, I'm going to run the same breakout, <laughs> and then I'll see how they kill it. And that'll, <laughs> then I'll be able to kill it. So <laughs> it was pretty good, but... Uh, they were both, all that group was ahead. Wayne Fleming was in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was outstanding. Perry Pern, too, is another really great hockey mind out of Edmonton. But that was a really good group. Andy Murray was there at that university level at that time. But that was an outstanding uh, group of coaches at that level, um, you know, that uh, all went on to play coach pro. For sure. I mean, you, you mentioned all the Canada West guys, and, and then Perry was neat. Um and, and Claire Drake, I mean, what was it about Claire that he seemed to be able to connect not only with other coaches uh, and players, but just the normal uh, fan that came up and like, I mean, he did all those clinics and things like that. And the young coaches, what was it about Claire that you had that connection with? He just, he, he just thought hockey all the time and he had such a brilliant mind that you could learn so much from him. Um, there's lots of stories like him and Billy Moore's. I, I remember, um, oh, Cross. I can't remember his first name, which is really bad. Corey, Corey, Corey Cross, Cross yeah. U of A. Yep. Yeah. And he, he was just in the activity class at U of A. He wasn't, he, he wasn't even trying out for the team. And, uh, they pulled him out of the activity class. Uh, he wasn't even going to be a hockey player and, uh, turned him into a guy that went to the NHL. So they did outstanding things up there. Uh, the other thing that that group did, though, is they shared information. It wasn't that they didn't keep information to themselves. Yeah. They weren't afraid to share it with each other. And then it was just who could execute it the best. Um, that story I always remember about Claire is we were going to play them in the playoffs, and we had to announce how many rosters we had, how, how many guys were going to play. So we agreed at 23. But we didn't agree on when you were going to name your 23, and I had a few guys hurt, so I didn't want to name them until I could figure out when. But I kind of knew that it was we should name them at the start. So I thought, okay. So Claire comes in, and then I do this just before the game, and I thought, okay, well, I'll throw him off anyway. So I'll you know, make him think about this, get him off what he's thinking, because I already know I'm going to do it. 
And so then we went through it and whatever. He got a little upset. So we come out to the game, and they were up 3 nothing on us five minutes into the game. So it certainly didn't throw him off his game. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of backfired. Yeah. But he was just that good. Right on. Oh, well, we talked about a bunch of your mentors here. Um about talking about today's game, I know, um, you know, it's obviously getting faster. The players are getting more skilled. Um, my time in Montreal there, uh, coming on four years ago now, we had uh, Dominic Ducharme come in as an assistant coach and, and really kind of change the landscape of all our systems to more of an kind of up-tempo, quick transition game. Is, is that something you've made adjustments to, even at the junior level? Or are you kind of stick with what's worked for you in the past? I think we always played, tried to play that way, Schlemmer. I think that we, uh, uh, you know, we always went for an up-tempo style game. That's true. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get that as much in pro. Um, um, you know, I think you, it, it, there's just a little different style sometimes. Um, but I think the game has changed. I, I think now, if you're not, if you don't skate, it's harder to play. Uh, like right. you just, you have to be able to skate to create time and space so you can do things. So. Um, we've always worked on that. I think that's something we'll work on again this year. But uh, I think lots of teams do it now, so you you don't get the advantage. I I don't think that you once could by doing it. And, and can you believe the players, Willie, that are just ready? I, I mean, you mentioned McKenna coming in. He turns, uh, you know, his fifteen-year-old player. And I mean, these guys, right when they're fourteen, fifteen, they're ready to go. I mean, they've been kind of programmed to do this for for years, even before you get them at the WHL level. It's true, and you know the thing has changed even at the, the NHL level too. Like before, guys would have to come in and they'd have to go to the American League for two or three years before they were a factor at the NHL level, and that's not true anymore. There's lots of players come right out of junior right into playing. You know, it's the same at our level. Like you look like a guy like Fiddler that's going into Edmonton uh, with their team. Like those guys are ready to play at 16, and and you know we only had. I think Russell was the only guy that made our team at 16. Dave was, could have made it, but I sent him back. But uh, those two guys are really close. But Russell was the only guy that made it. Uh, this year I've got uh, four 16-year-olds probably will play on the team. And, you know, that, that just doesn't happen. But players are just ready at a younger age now, I think, at, at all levels. Yeah, I think Dane Todd made it too at 16. Oh, he you might know? have. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he did. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. There's there's definitely no room for guys like me who needed a few years in the minors to make it. Uh, I remember speaking to my former agent. He said, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you basically got 18 months now to show what you got, and then the, the yeah. teams are deciding if they're going to keep you or get rid of you. So a little bit smaller window to kind of show what you got, hey? There's a lot of bit of pressure too. Like you just have to be ready. There's so many Europeans now coming. Like it, it's just, it is harder. But it's there's still the the other thing that's good though is there's lots of scouts. And even if you don't make it, it's not like you can't make it. If you make a change, if you're willing to make a change somewhere along the line, there's scouts out there watching, and they'll find you. Even if you're in Europe or wherever. And you did, Dave. Like, you made a difference at, at 20. Like, you honestly changed what you were thinking. And, you know, you, if you didn't, you weren't, weren't going to play. But you did make that change. And, and you can do it whenever you want. But you have to commit to it. 
Willie Desjardins is our uh, guest on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, David Schlemko. Willie, you just uh, want to touch base with your team again this year coming in. Uh, things get underway in, uh, well, I guess about a little over a week for you, but you've got an early uh, road trip out to uh, the BC teams. Do you like that in the schedule where you're going to go on an extended road trip to start the year? Well, a couple of things. You like to travel. Usually you get better weather. Um, you know, yeah, I'd rather true. get out there before the weather gets bad if we can. Uh, I do think you get to get some team building there uh, where you get your guys together, which I think is nice as well. So I think there's some advantages doing it, but it's kind of whatever your schedule is. You just have to make it work for you. If you get that great, if you don't, then you got to use your time at home where you get extra practice time to, to build as well. So, uh, but I like getting out early. It just mm-hmm. worked in our buildings uh, used at that time. So, um, that's the time we just had to travel. How much did you have to wrangle in, Dave, when you know when you went on those long road trips? I mean, we've been talking about all the, our our off ice excursions here, and uh, you know, you, you must have had to have this guy under lock and key. There's a couple. <laughs> Dave doesn't want to give me in. The first, my first thing with Dave, where I knew that things might not go quite the way I wanted, is I went to Tim Hortons after a practice or whatever. <laughs> And I see Dave walking across the parking lot with four g- young girls. They're, they're the same age as him. Like, they were all 14, 15, 16. That was before he played. And I go, well, this might not go good. So, yeah, anyway. Well, but, at least uh, it was Tim Hortons, Willie. There you go. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but it was. He, he was good, though. He honestly was good. Yeah. Uh, my, I had a good group. They... They times have changed where guys don't go as much, but uh, the group I had played really hard. Like they were a hard playing group. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Willie, thanks for doing this. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Good luck with the Tigers' uh, season this year. I uh, wish you all the very best. Thanks, guys. Good luck up there, too. Take thanks care. Thanks a lot, Will. That's uh, Medicine Hat Tigers coach Willie Desjardins and uh, former coach of uh, our co host on Wednesdays, David Schlemko. Uh, it's. When you have a coach that uh, makes an impact on you, you never forget him. And Absolutely. You're you're going to be friends with Willie forever. Yeah, you know Willie's almost loyal to a fault as well. Um, I remember when I got picked up off waivers from Calgary. I'm pretty sure Van was behind them, but mm-hmm. he was calling me almost insinuating that they were going to take me too. So um, I've heard that from other players he's had too. He's uh, he's a very loyal guy. If he, he likes you and believes in you as a player, you know, he'll he'll go to bat for you, which is which is awesome. Uh, Oilers rookie camp technically starts today with uh, fitness testing, medicals. Oof. Uh, then, yeah, what did you, 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 I'm sure you enjoyed uh, the fat pulling and the, the VO2 machine. What else, uh, what else did you just, kind of let's just get this over with what what was it like well i mean you just heard from willie that i i used to rely on my talent a lot so (laughs) obviously fitness testing wasn't my favorite uh, and it was way different back then right the year well you know what it's it's still it seems like it's different on every team i remember uh san jose was crazy we had it over two days and some teams do on ice testing some don't um i think once you establish yourself as a pro or in the NHL, I guess, um, 
your few years in. So the whole month of September mm-hmm. is just basically a grind. You just can't wait to get it over with and, you know, make sure you're doing the right things and, and building going into the season. But it's uh, it's definitely a grind, especially once you start having kids and yeah. you got to move the whole family yeah. over. What, what about these young kids? So today they're going through it all. They're all, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. What are, and I mean, this is the kind of their first taste of a, like of a pro atmosphere. Um, what's it like for them? Because again, you, you never had anything like this in Penticton. You never had like a young stars, uh, four game or three game exhibition, uh, schedule. So what, what's going through their minds? Um, I did actually, oh, okay. um, my first NHL camp, uh, was with the coyotes. We actually had a rookie tournament in LA at oh, their okay. practice barn. I think it was us, LA, San Jose and Anaheim. So there's a young Joe Pavelski there and mm-hmm. Anze Kopitar that were absolutely tearing it up. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, that was a fun experience. Um, I don't, I don't think I ended up going to main camp that year. I hadn't signed yet. I was just uh camp as a free agent mm-hmm. and the next year I ended up kind of signing and, uh, and going to main camp and I was in a little bit over my head, honestly. Um, a little bit starstruck guys like, you know, donor and them. But uh, it's an exciting experience, and uh, to s- speak to what Willie was talking about, they, these kids are ready nowadays. Yeah. Like they're they've been training. They're a lot of them are one sport kids, and and they're ready to come in and step in and play right away. So that's a far cry from where I was yeah. at, at eighteen, nineteen. <laughs> uh, great insight today, Schlemmer. Um, what's up in the next few days? A little golf, a couple. You know, I mean, a little golf. We're running out of time here. Yeah, a little golf yeah. on Friday. Uh, running a couple skill skates and uh, yeah, at NAX, right? So we'll talk about that too next week a, a yep. little bit more. So sounds good. All right. Uh, uh, thanks, Schlemmer. And uh, thanks to all our uh, guests today. Uh, Jesse Rogers from ESPN uh, uh, co- talking about uh, the pennant races and wildcard races. It was great to have Dean Faithful on. Uh, Elks kicker, uh, uh, the wave to the queen. You saw him on Saturday night after that kick. Uh, on the mark, Mark Spector for Booster Juice at 8 o'clock. And then our uh, headliner of the day for uh, Mr. Reuter was Darren Ravel from uh, the Action Network. Um, uh, for Cougar Paint and Collision, David Schlemko, guess co-host with us every uh, Wednesday 9 to 11 and of course we had Gene Principe on at 9 as well. Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun and Willie Desjardins head coach and former coach of David Schlemko, Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, coming up uh, on uh, Sports 1440 at the top of the hour we will have Fantasy Frenzy uh, with the former Ross Shep T-Bird, Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas uh, the low down with low tide coming up 12 to 2 and then Jason Greger uh, wraps up to, today from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger show. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Had a ball. We had great guests. The guests come here. We get them all. Uh, the guys do a great job lining it up. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day and uh, here's the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.